church family. Um, we are looking this week at the man of action. We uh, are going through the, the, the book of Nehemiah, and in chapter 1 really introduces to us uh, Nehemiah as this man that is not a prophet nor a priest, but yet he is still used by God in a very uh, unique way, as we will see. Um, just a little kind of catch up with what we've gone through so far in the first four verses, we were introduced to this figure, Nehemiah, who uh, he's a cupbearer. Uh, he, he's part of the Babylonian or the Persian Empire. He's the, has a close relationship with uh, the king there. And uh, he was just minding his own business, living his life. And while one day, uh, Hananiah, his brother, came to him and, and told him that uh, you... Uh, uh, his brother came and he, and he told him about what was going on in Judah. And uh, you know, Nehemiah asked him and he told him that the place is torn out, uh, the walls are not uh, are not fixed, <clears throat> and the gates are still on fire. And uh, basically what that means is that uh, any place that there's no, when there's those walls and, <clears throat> and any type of protection, there's not really like a city, but it's just really like a valley. Uh, there's no protection, so there's no way for people to know uh, who's going in and who's going out. They don't know who actually belongs there, who doesn't. Uh, just not, and it doesn't have protection. And, and this is something that really greatly distressed Nehemiah. And Nehemiah in verse 4 says that he, he wept. He wept and he mourned uh, and he fasted and prayed uh, to the God of heaven. So the next, this, this whole week, the rest of the week, we're really just going to be talking and focusing on prayer. Uh, particularly about um, what makes a successful prayer, or what are the type of prayer that's pleasing to the Lord. When I was in high school, there was a there was this thing called the Lion Club Speech Contest, and the idea is that uh, they will present some sort of controversial topic, and they want the students to be able to debate. Not necessarily debate, but present an argument from one side or the other. And I remember one particular year, there was a topic on uh, what makes... A person successful uh, does attitude is attitude the key to success and some people say no attitude doesn't matter because it's all about worth ethic work ethic others say no you need to have a positive disposition in order to be successful in life <clears throat> and I don't think that this little competition was designed for people to actually solve these uh, problems or, uh, or or to win the debate or whatever I think they're just they just wanted the students they just want to see the students can argue and articulate their their position in a public setting. And, um, you know, if we were to take that topic and, and kind of bend it towards prayer, if the question was this, what type of prayers uh, would the Lord uh, answer? How would you answer this question? Uh, what type of prayer the Lord that, uh, that, 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 that honors the Lord, that gives glory to God when we pray to Him? And this is what we're going to see. Um, <clears throat> as we go through this week, uh, we're going to actually see um, a pattern in terms of how people pray. It gives a little template of what a godly prayer is like. <clears throat> I mentioned yesterday there are the, the, there are ten prayers in, throughout this book, and we can s learn a lot about prayer in this. And the first the, of the type of prayer that we see is actually adoration. Um, you notice in verse 5 it says this, I said, I beseech you, O Lord, uh, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, <clears throat> who preserves a covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you, 
now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servant, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. <clears throat> We're just going to uh, really focus on verse 5 and 6 today. Um, more of probably in verse 5 since this really sh- it shows us this adoration for the Lord. You notice that he, he, he begins by just stating about how great God is. He said, I beseech you. This is a plea to the Lord. And he uses God's covenant name, O Yahweh, a God of heaven. Um, it's really interesting here. That's because um, if you were to think how, what makes a, a, a prayer successful, it's really when you pray biblically. Uh, if you want to find what is a, a successful prayer in the eyes of the Lord, you need to pray biblically. And the first thing he does is he prays to the Lord and he speaks about his greatness. He speaks about how he's the God of heaven. Uh, he, he's great and awesome. Um, and I think, you know, when we think of the word uh, great, we kind of understand. We understand generally what that means, that God is an all-powerful God. Um, and if God is great, he's really a league on his own. And we have to have that in our mind, that there, God doesn't have an equal. Sometimes we think in parallels, like, oh, God is on one side and the devil is on the other, and they're combating for for supremacy. But in reality, God doesn't stand in a platform with anyone else. He's a whole league above everyone else. He's in a different uh, a bracket uh, of his own. And um, when we think of awesome, I think, unfortunately, when we think of the word awesome, we think of, I think, how we normally use it in, in, normal, uh, in a normal vernacular. It's, it's almost like, Oh, uh, that food is awesome, or that movie was awesome, and everything is. When everything is awesome, really nothing is awesome. Uh, but this word "awesome," it's it, although it's diluted in our society in the way that we use it. Back then, the word "awesome" and uh, it's it this idea of it inspires um, fear and it despi- inspires awe. Like when you think about who God is, it should make you tremble because of how magnificent He is. Um, he is a great God. And, and this is how, and how you view God is how you're going to pray. Um, and if this is how you view God, even if the world, uh, you know, the world doesn't think this way, it, it, is this something that you think about? Do you see God as great and awesome? Remember, Nehemiah, he is in the Persian Empire. He, being in this empire means that he is, there's all these other pagan gods that worship a multitude of different uh, p- pagan worshippers worship, worshiping all of these different gods, and he, although he's in a high position, is still just uh, devoted wholeheartedly to Yahweh. And he described him as a great and awesome God. When he's thinking about how to uh, go about um, uh, you know fixing this problem with the walls here, the first thing he goes to is he makes a petition to the awesome God. He starts speaking about this God. In fact. If you look up at verse um, 2, or verse 1, it says, Now it happened the month of Shiz- Shizlev. Uh, that's around, again, that's, uh, that's around November, December time. And if you look at chapter 2, verse 1, it said in the month of Nisan. So he's been praying for God in this way for four months. Uh, uh, chapter 2 begins four months after this prayer. So this four-month time, um, he's, he has this pattern of prayer where he begins by speaking about how great God is. He speaks about how how um, how he uh, how awesome he is, how God how how awesome and great he is, and who preserves the covenants and loving kindness for those who love and keep his commandments. Um, Nehemiah again was in a secular world, and he, even though he lives in a secular world, he he's the one who 
who keeps God's commandments. He knows that by, by following and obeying the Lord, that no matter what type of environment you're in, you will be blessed. This is kind of like when Joseph, Joseph didn't sin against the Lord, and that's why he was able to flee from sexual sin, because he, he had he was had this close relationship with the one true God that kept him away from sin. And I think Nehemiah is the same way as well. He was living faithfully in a, in a very hostile, anti-God world, but yet he, uh, he believed God. He, he wasn't thwarted or influenced by things of the world. And he prays like it. He prays knowing that the one true God exists, and this is the, 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 the God of the, of the Jews, is the, is the one true God, and he, and he believes it. Now, this is a question that we need to ask ourselves. Whenever we struggle with something in life, who do we turn to? Um, the world tells us that our God is just like any other God. Do we, are we, like Nehemiah, that, that, that believe, no, there, there's only one true God, the, that our God is great and he's awesome, that he, and that he keeps his covenant, he's loving, he, he's kind, and all of these attributes. Do we actually hold to it? Do we b- believe this? Uh, some people pray uh, to God, but they don't trust in who he is. Um, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways, a weak prayer can be a reflection of your own perspective of God. You think God is weak, so therefore you don't pray. <clears throat> Sometimes uh, that's why we don't pray. It's because we don't think that God is great or awesome. We don't think that he's able to fulfill the promises or provide for the needs or give us comfort the way that the Bible describes. Um, so if you ever wonder why God doesn't answer your prayer, part it could be, that you don't actually believe that he is God, that you don't believe he's able to do what he's, that, that the Bible claims that he can do. Now, this isn't some sort of prosperity gospel type of thing, but which is why I said that when you pray, uh, the prayer that is most uh, honorable to the Lord um, and pleasing to the Lord is if you pray biblically. If you pray um, before you act, uh, that's what's pleasing to the Lord. And that's what Proverbs, actually, we'll start with Job. Job chapter 5 <clears throat> Verse 8 tells us that, But as for me, I would seek God, and I would place my cause before God, who does great and, and unsearchable things, wonders without number. Uh, Proverbs th- chapter 3, verse 5. Let me flip there real quickly. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5, it reads, Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean in your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And then one more from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 16, verse 3, it tells us that commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. So there's a sense in which every time before we act, before we do anything, the first thing that we must do is to present it and give it to the Lord, bring our needs before him. Because he's really the one that, um, that can answer our prayers. He's the only one that can provide the means by which we can have our, ans- our prayers answered. Um, and even the New Testament, when Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 18, tells them about an uh, illustration about prayer, about how the lady that just keeps knocking on the door um, so that, uh, you know, that, so that she basically just keep going until the prayer is answered. And look, as Christians, the more we pray, especially we, if, we, if our prayer is filled with adoration of the Lord, the more that we will begin to trust in his attributes. The more we know who he is and the more we pray about those attributes, 
the more our faith will increase. Uh, you pray to God and it should give you an expanded view of who he is um, because prayer is an act of faith. Um, and if your mind is saturated with who he is, you'll have confidence that he's able to do um, and provide for you. And God has never failed his people. It may not be at the time that we want it, but yet we must understand that the Bible is clear that, that when we draw, we pray to the Lord, he uh, he hears us, and that we draw to him, we abide in him, and he cares, and he loves us. Um, and that's just who he is. You know, when we think about prayer, the very first thing that we should do when we pray is actually acknowledge who he is and pray about him, to him. Because when we do that, it, it makes our hearts grow and to trust in the character of who he is. So that's the first part. When we pray, a prayer that is successful or was pleasing to the Lord, uh, the first thing that we need to do is that we pray um, adoring the Lord for who He is. Uh, tomorrow, we'll look at a second aspect, and that's confession. Um, the first one we pray, we should pray for uh, out of adoration for Him, and knowing who He is, knowing how great He is, it should humble us and make us confess to Him all of our sins. So, uh, for today, as you pray, think about some sort of attribute of the Lord um, that you could maybe first maybe write down all the attributes you can think of. Think of um, uh, verses and um, passages that come to mind and pray through those things about who he is so it can give you comfort when times are not easy or when times when you need, um, uh, when you, when you need him to sustain you. Whatever it may be, uh, the, the prayer that's most honoring to the Lord, the first step I think that we need to do is to pray out of adoration admiration for who he is. And tomorrow we'll look at confession, that as we see how holy and great our God is, it should make us realize how sinful we are. I hope this is helpful, and uh, thank you for listening. I'll see you guys tomorrow.